Blog Talk Radio. We can't solve a problem or get to a solution about a problem that we refuse to acknowledge that we have. We don't have to be ashamed that we have a problem. This woman has been the only mentor that we have had of a female. We've seen her every day of our life on television, every magazine, every newspaper, uh, every commercial. You know, it, it's just been her face, her body, her image, whatever it has been in front of us. And so today we have the results of that. We have black women who are trying to dye their hair blonde, who are wearing blue and green contacts in their eyes, you know, who wear tons and tons of layers of makeup, who have changed their voice who have hair weaves so they can have flowing long hair blowing in the wind, you know. But is there something wrong with trying to make yourself look better? It depends on what standards you're using as being the goal of looking better. Hmm. You know, if we think to look better is to put on a ton of makeup and have blue eyes, then there's something wrong with that, you know. But if we think that to look better is to certainly get a better spirit in our heart and uh, to work every day to become a better wife, a better mother, a better friend, better sister, then those values and attributes alone will make us more beautiful than we are now. Hmm. And as a result of us doing that, we have also adopted the women's liberation movement goals of wanting to be liberated from the man and have some kind of pseudo-equality. When while that may be true of the white woman and her plight with the white man, that's not really the black woman's business because we haven't been under the control of the black man for over 500 years. So what do we have to be liberated from him from? Hmm. Many people accuse you of wanting to see the black woman at a point of submission. Well, it depends on how you define submission. Those words uh, have a tendency to have a negative connotation for us because of how they were used against us during slavery and what we connect them to. But actually, the kind of submission that I'm referring to just means cooperation and agreement. I'm saying that we have a lot of power. We have power to make heaven and hell for our men. And I'm saying, let's try making heaven. Mm. Let's try to build him up. Mm. If a man has his woman behind him, he will believe he can do anything. And all we need to do is to get our men to believe that they can do anything. And he'll be able to, you know, do much better than he's doing now and come out of the pitiful condition he's in. As I said, I'm not exonerating him. I'm just saying that all of that strength that we have, let's use it in a more positive way instead of just going for self. You know, nobody told us that all of that being my own person and I'm independent would lead to separation and loneliness. But that's what we had to trade for that in order to have certain kinds of success. We had to give up the man. Hmm. People's Black Panther Party, uh, you're listening to our national podcast show. Today's show is going to be War of the Sexes. War of the Sexes. Uh, National Chairman, Brother Yang Yang Kuman, National Director of Operations, Sister Seven. Uh, if you want to dial in and uh, comment and be a part of the show, just dial number 323-870-4191. Press 1 to be placed into the queue. And when you jump in, well, we announce you and you can jump right on in. So as we build on today, 
show, War of the Sexes. What I'm going to do is I'm going to turn this over to Brother Syke, let him get us going, and then we'll we'll bounce back from there. Go ahead, Brother Syke. Start us up. No, way, wait. Syke, hold on. This is kind of what I uh, 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 was asking you about, War, um, far into it, just because of our the nature of the Panther 48 to kind of give a little bit of a background or a context to where we're coming from and to lend more to the idea of the trifecta of perspective, um, just to give a brief, very brief uh, touch on where each of us is coming from. Brother War, you're married. How long have you been married? Been married 10 years. 10 years. So we got a 10-year vet of marriage. We got Brother Sykes, who's single and dating, and myself, Brother E, who is more of the hermit type and doesn't interact a whole, whole lot on, on in, in this area. So kind of three different perspectives on what it is we're talking about, just to give a kind of a thrust and a context for the comments that each of us makes going forward. So, Sykes, it's all you, B. All right, I like that. That was that was necessary. That was that was extremely necessary. We have the uh, purple peel brother who's been married for ten years <laughs> and wants to make sure he maintains that status. We have the hermit, the brother who has been a part of the game, who was unsatisfied with the game and has decided that he found more peace in his garden and raising his animals than to continue to play the game. And you have me, myself, the red pill brother, who attempts to understand the nature of the game, the nature of the uh, players in the game, and how we can get this thing back on track. So let's, let's build a, we call this the war of the sexes. And to me, and to a lot of us, it seems that we're consistently, men, males and females, men and women, it seems like we're consistently competing with each other because we, we want each other. And somewhere, in some way, we feel like we need each other, but we're not being 100% honest with each other. We're always in conflict with each other. And I think that much of it, uh, uh, Sister Shahrazad Ali in, in the intro that Brother E prepared for us, she spoke about a lot of what those problems are. So to start us out, I'm going to give a quick, as quick as I possibly can, I'm going to give a quick breakdown. And the breakdown I'm going to give is a biological. Uh, explanation about the nature of man and woman. Because one of the things we got to understand is that when you're dealing with man and woman, you're dealing with two things that make us who and what we are. You're dealing with nature, you're dealing with nurture. Nature itself cannot actually be changed, really. Uh, we're born with certain things that, re- that, that are required for our basic survival. We're born with certain instincts. There are certain things that are encoded in our DNA that nature has found to be more beneficial for the development, the growing, and the survival of the species throughout time. There are things that we have developed, and I want to talk about the essence of those things and kind of the essence of this conflict, war that we find between the sexes. And the main thing that we're talking about in this conversation, the main reason why we're having it, because this is a revolutionary conversation. And any truly revolutionary-minded person should grasp and understand that. This is a revolutionary conversation because whenever you're talking about revolution in any way, you're talking about making a productive, proactive, complete change. 
so all revolutionaries have you know, the complete ideal and, and, and duty to uplifting and changing the community. But the foundation of the black community is the family. The found, matter of fact, the foundation of society itself is the family. All societies, all great civilizations, all powerful empires started with families. That's where they started it. If you go all the way back and we look at it, you started with, with a man and a woman meeting, uh, connecting with each other, having children, and then raising those children, and those children going out to meet other families, uh, males and females from other families in the community and, and their vicinity and mating with them, starting extended families. That family, those extended, that family and that extended family became the first tribe and built the first civilizations, therefore building the first governments, the first dynasties, and even the first empires. So all things start with, with the family. And if you want to destroy a civilization, if you want to destroy a people, one of the main things you have to do is destroy the family. And if you want to keep that people destroyed, disenfranchised, and disconnected, then you got to keep a strain on the relationship between the first two elements that create the family, and that's the man and the woman. So, so we talked, uh, we discussed, oh, we discussed this uh, Friday night in a uh, in a kind of training class where we talked about the uh, where we talked about the essence. Or studying people and how to study people and why we study people. We study people so we can understand how people respond to stimuli. Well, if we understand that, then we're able to create stimuli to produce the responses that we want. And we're able to not introduce stimuli into an environment to make sure we don't get the responses that we don't want to have. And that's what any wise social scientific people do when they're dealing with people. They, they, they study that people and they learn how to how to introduce things into that people's environment to make sure that they to make sure that they get the responses that they want and they know how to take things out of the environment, things sometimes things that are needed to make sure that they uh that they don't get the things that they don't want to see from those people. So saying all that to start off as our intro, let me let me explain this about the nature, basic nature of man and woman. First, when you're dealing with a, with men and women. And I want to talk about women a little bit because it seems it seems oh. a, a lot. <laughs> which, what is all about? <laughs> and the reason I and the reason I decided to talk about women a little bit is uh, because I posted this question. I posted this question on uh, on, on my Facebook page, and the question was essentially when I was getting ready to do a YouTube video. I ended up doing a YouTube video with the same name, Ward Six based off the responses that I got. So I posted a question, and I wanted to do a video on dating, so to speak. So I posted a question on my, on my uh, Facebook page, and I was shocked with, with the responses that I got. You know, I thought I was going to get some positive things that we could build on about, you know, men and women meeting each other. But the question was, uh, for the women, what are the first things that you ask uh, a, a potential partner when you first start dating and by far, most of the questions, most of the stuff they stated was 100% negative. I don't know why they went negative with it. They went, are you gay? Or uh, uh, have you ever raped anybody? Uh, how many wives do you have? How many kids? I mean, it was all, it was, it was nothing. It was not, 
from a positive standpoint to understand the person's thought process, what what their spiritual development was, uh, uh, what their political understanding was. It was all 100% almost like the women had an anger, a frustration, and a hatred for men. It was almost like that. And I'm like, oh, man, what, what you know, what's going on here? Where is this anger? Where is this frustration coming from that women seem to have for, uh, for men of all? And, you know, we didn't all heard this before. We didn't all heard this saying about the angry black woman. And I'm not supporting that, uh, that, 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 uh, that, that concept. I'm not saying that that is necessarily true. But that idea came from somewhere. You know, that idea was developed and has its origin somewhere in some way, form, or fashion. Even you talked about it when we did the YouTube video, Shit You Spoiler, you know. So that idea comes from somewhere. And one of the things that I want to deal with when, when I'm talking about women is I want to talk about who women are biologically and who men are biologically. On a biological level, a woman has uh, uh, specific needs that even if she's not consciously aware that she's trying to fulfill, she is trying to fulfill. Think about it. Million, million years ago, before we created civilization, before we created armies, militaries, police departments, laws, before we created any of those structures, the human beings were left to their own vices while wandering around in the wilderness with, with no laws other than the laws that we decided to create later. So in that type of environment, it didn't take long for a woman to realize that I'm the smaller of the species, I'm the physically weaker of the species, and that this overgrown big brute could essentially have his way with me and kill me if he decided to, if I made him too angry. And I'm pretty sure groups of women ran into that early on in the development of humanity. I'm pretty sure they did. So uh, uh, before I jump to kind of go to that, uh, so women... For, for survival purposes, remember I said that the first the first law of nature is survival. The first need that all human beings feel the desire to fulfill is that need for survival. So the first need, and one of the first needs that would, would uh, guarantee a woman's survival was her desire to mate with a strong man. And we call that concept the alpha male. She wanted to mate with an alpha male. She wanted to mate with the strongest, the most secure, the most powerful man in the group. And if she was able to attain that particular type of man, then she could be guaranteed not only the defense of her, but the development of strong, healthy children and the defense of them. Because if she made it with a weak man, a man that wasn't able to provide security, then her her children could go hungry. They could die. Or a stronger man could come into the tribe, kill her, rape her, uh, 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 take her children into slavery and do whatever they wanted to do with her and her seeds. So maybe with a strong man guaranteed that her seeds will be able to uh, be passed into the future, guaranteed this. This was a desire for a woman. So for a woman, it is a, it is a biological desire to mate with one man and maintain that one man, especially if, he, if he's an alpha, for a lifetime. It, it, it's, it's biologically encoded in her. On the flip side, a man didn't necessarily need a woman for for survival purposes. He needed a woman for uh, procreation purposes. He needed a woman to be fertile soil. So men biologically seek to make with women for the purpose of making sure that they see pass on to, to the next generation, even if they're not consciously aware of it. 
Because most times men are not consciously aware that that is the drive. That that feeling that you get when you feel like, oh, I'm horny as hell. When you see a woman with a nice butt, a nice hips, a nice breast, you thinking to yourself, man, I just like breast. But deep deep in the uh, subconscious of a man's mind, it, it, it makes him think of a nurturer because the, the breast is how a woman first feeds a child. And that's the place that a man got his first meal from. So automatically, the attraction there is the attraction to a nurturer and a healer. Because that's the that's the position that her breast played for a man originally. When he sees wide hips and a nice butt with a smaller waist, it attracts him because what he sees is a, is a woman that is of childbearing age. When women, when, uh, women start uh, secrete more estrogen, then their hips and their butt grow uh, 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 at a wider size than their hips. I mean, than their waist does. This is this is a woman of good natural childbearing childbearing age, even if we're not aware of it. Same thing like when women look at men. If they see broad shoulders, nice arms, chest, then this this represents a man who is strong, a man who is not sick, a man who is not frail or weak, who has the ability to defend her. Most women are attracted to men that are taller than them. Why? Because because height usually represents dominance. And she wants to believe that she's dealing with a man who is dominant, who is strong, who is powerful. Same thing with that most women are attracted to men that are older than them. And the reason for this is because women are generally mature faster than men. Women, if you look at, if you remember back when you was in uh, uh, middle school, a lot of the girls that was in your same class was taller than you and bigger than you because they go through puberty uh, uh, first. They go through puberty quicker. But we end up becoming bigger and stronger because we go through puberty longer. That's why so we have more, more time to develop and grow. But because they go through uh, puberty first, they also mature in their thinking first. They also develop that that uh that ability to think on a more mature adult-like level. If you remember, I don't know if y'all went through this, but if you remember when you was in school, a lot of the girls in middle school were dating dudes in high school. Then when you was in high school, a lot of the girls that was in high school were dating grown men that was out of school. If y'all if if y'all ever witnessed that or seen that phenomenon in the community, but these you know, these are biological reasons or the purpose for that. And I said all of this to talk about the nature of men and women and what drives us is to talk about what kind of produces our conflict. A man, I said, said a man doesn't need a woman for survival, but he needs her for procreation. So is it any wonder why men are, are, are more likely to go outside of their primary relationship? Because for a man to put his seed in more women, mathematically, that's the possibility of him of his uh, seeds making it to the next generation. He creates a greater probability of his seeds uh, uh, making it to the next generation the more women that he impregnates. Now, in today's time, this is not what man is thinking. He's not thinking, I'm trying to get as many women as pregnant as possible. He's thinking, I'm trying to have sex with as many women as possible, consciously. But it's that subconscious desire that, that pushes him toward that. That's one of his... That's one of his biological traits that makes him do something that women don't, do not like, primarily in this society. But, uh, uh, and I'm going to say this, and then I'm going to pass it, buddy, because I'm pretty sure you got a response to these things. But <clears throat> on the flip side, there are things that women, that women develop. Me, see, uh, one thing about nature, and I always say this, nature always seeks balance. Nature, nature always seeks homeostasis, always. It always try to produce a try to produce balance. And while men are on average 
taller, stronger, faster than women physically. There are things that women develop that gives them the ability to have a balance along with men. And one of the things that a woman, that I would say, that a woman developed and evolved over time is the, is the, uh, the penchant for deceit. See, women, women will lie. Women will lie. And I heard some noise in the background going on. Women will <laughs> lie. And I know y'all probably saying, y'all probably, everybody lies and everybody does. Everybody does. But lying, but there's a reason for lying. And I said earlier, Women, it didn't take long for a woman to be able to see that. You know what? I cannot physically beat him up. You know, it, it didn't take long for her, to, so for her to recognize that. So it became an uh, uh, evolutionary survival trait for her to master her ability of seduction, her ability of manipulation, and her straight-up ability for deceit in order to deal with this strong group that she had to deal with on an average, everyday basis. And to the point that it evolved all the way to the day. You know, we tend to believe that men cheat more than women. Women want sex as much as men do. Men get caught for cheating more than women do, but men and women cheat probably uh, 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 on average along the same lines. And you might ask me why. Why do women, why do men end up getting caught? Because women are haters. <laughs> huh? <laughs> Yeah, women, women, no, listen to this. <laughs> listen to this, listen to this. Yeah, listen to this, and I'm going to pass the mic. Women, when it comes to these type of relationships, women are hating. And that's why men end up getting busted uh, more than women do. Check this out. I know I'm going to get a lot of flack for this. I'm going to get a lot of flack. I love, I, I love women, but here's the truth. A man can meet a woman. A man can have a woman. He can tell the woman he just met he has a woman. She like, cool. That's all right. No big deal. You know, I just want to kick it anyway. That was she'll say until she started dealing with him on the regular and having sex with him. Now she's feeling him. Now that she's feeling him, she'll start pressing him to leave his wife or leave his woman or whatever it is. And, and the cold thing about it, when he say, man, we talked about this from the jump, a woman will go out of her way, you know, to speak to him when she see him in public, to call his phone when she knows he's on a date with his woman, to do all of these things to make sure he gets busted. That's why I say that she's a, that a woman is a hater. On the flip side of this, a man is not most of the time. A man is not like this, unless he's a unless he's a straight up uh, 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 beta male, mangina, weak, soft type of man. Most men are not like this. On the flip side of that, a man can meet a woman and she'll say, "I got a man. His responsibility. What what the man got to do with me?" And if she's willing to step out and just a man respect a man in that way, this guy doesn't really care as long as he gets his time when he gets it. He'll see her in public and act like he don't know her. When he knows he she's on date night, he won't call her about her. And if she and if she and if her man does call and act and actually go through a phone and sees his number, whatever it is, he'll act like he's a cousin or the coworker at work. In his mind, if she gets popped, this is gonna mess up my good thing. Matter of fact, to the average guy, the average gigolo living type of guy, hell, it's better for that other dude to have to deal with that headache. Hell, he gets the best parts of her. You know, he gets the fancy, free, the, the uh, uh, good time parts of her. That other dude got to deal with the headaches and the responsibility of having a woman 24 hours a day and being cheated on. So that's why I said that when I said that women are haters. So women create a situation where the man she's messing with can get, can get uh, 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 busted more than the female, <clears throat> than the female that's messing with a man that really don't care. 
and we've all seen this many times throughout the dynamics of relationships uh, uh, between men and women. Now, I said all this, and I'm going to try to leave it on this point before I pass it over. The reason we're discussing this, the reason we're talking about this, because we have a, a large overabundance of single women in the community. We have a large overabundance of single men. All men in relationships now living as homosexuals, and a homosexual is a term that basically means a dude that always living with a woman, you know, giving up the penis so he can have somewhere to stay, and he might have four or five baby mamas. You know, we don't live in a, in a society the way society first evolved where men and women met each other, uh, uh, created families, had a spiritual union with each other, marriage, created families, created one bloodline together, and then built strong family bloodlines based on that. Now we live in a society where the women are usually single, taking care of the kids and hustle responsibility by herself, and the men usually have four or five baby mamas. Hell, even the women may have four or five baby mamas nowadays, and this has created a, an extreme strain. I mean, baby daddy created an extreme strain on the family unit. And that family unit having that strain on it creates a strain on the community and any kind of real community development. And that's the way I'm going to open it up. And I'm passing it on to you, buddy. I, 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 I don't know if I want to talk after that, bro. Um, let me say at the very least that you know the the breakdown of of the biological and and all of those sorts of things. For instance, the male running around and having multiple partners, and I, this is not an attempt by anybody to condone any of that, to condone it, to condemn it. It's just a statement of the way things are, have developed, have become <clears throat> information, <clears throat> as opposed to what we feel. You know, we say a lot on this show that your feelings about whatever the subject is is not really our concern as what is the information, what is the data, what are the facts. You know, that, that's what young people, that's the mainstream thing now is facts, I guess. I guess they still say that. So facts, and that's what we want to deal with. So this isn't an attempt to by a bunch of guys on the show trying to uh, create a path for themselves or to justify a way of life to be adopted or not adopted or seeing somebody else adopted. It's none of that. It's an attempt to <clears throat> discuss things that go on in our community beginning with an informational backdrop because that's where we want to start because we know we're going to get into the emotion at some point and that's where we want to come back to. So, we want to try to give some type of foundation for everybody to build off of. Um, <clears throat> that was a lot of information in regards to the nature <clears throat> of male-female relationships. And I think that it's necessary for us to understand, especially as African people in this country, that there was one time when we acted in regard to nature building off of nature, with respect to nature, and an attempt to understand nature as nature like the trees and the birds and the bees, but also how that nature related to our own nature. And there came a time when we went from that to what we see now. Came a time when 
our understanding and even our desire to understand was disrupted. And I think to anybody that ever watched, listened to the show or thought about it, we know that the primary event that went on for us in our history to disconnect us from an understanding of the nature was the enslavement of our people. And a lot of times I hear folks say that they don't want to talk about slavery. They don't want to hear about it. It makes them mad. It makes them feel bad, da 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 And we have to understand that just like any emotion, and I think we can all agree, anytime you press down an emotion, ignore an emotion, try to keep that emotion in check without dealing with that emotion, that emotion is going to come back. Those feelings are going to come back and come out, express some kind of way that you're not even aware of. So if we don't discuss what it is that happened to us, we're never going to be able to fix those things that are gone wrong in our community. You know, you mentioned the nature, and I concur. If you look at nature across the board, most animals, the male will impregnate the female and move on because intent, the purpose, is just down to it, despite no matter, regardless of how good it feels, how dope it is, how much you want it, or how much somebody charges for it, <clears throat> the purpose of sex is to have children, period. It's not to express your love for somebody. It's not to, to any of that. It's to make another generation. So for the male, his, his view into the future and wanting uh, uh, to, to, to further his name, his bloodline, his genes, yes, sex is that for him. So naturally, he would like to, by nature, again, not condoning it, saying it's right and wrong, not condemning it, none of that. His nature is to impregnate many women. Because one woman can be pregnant at one time, but one male can have several women pregnant at the same time. Thus, like you said, like you said, increasing the chances of him uh, 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 projecting himself into the future. That longevity is something that's very important to a man. It just is. That's the nature of it. That's what it is. <clears throat> Having come into a culture, and, when I, and at this point, the culture I'm talking about is that slave culture. Any sisters that are listening, think about it. Back during slave days, so-called slave days, it was common practice for slave masters to take this buck and to basically hold him out to different plantations to impregnate black women so that the owners of those black women could increase their, their pool. They could increase the number of, uh, of slave potentials that they had on their plantation. So they would breed them here, move them over this plantation and breed them there, move them to the next plantation and breed them there. Meanwhile, you've got all these children, generation after generation, these children coming up without a father figure, coming up with a broken home, coming up with all the issues that we see now. And I know sisters know of brothers that have had a baby mama here, child over there, baby mama over there. So this was not incidental. This was a consequence. And the better we understand the nature of that experience and how that natural tendency for a male to need to drop his seed to project himself into the future, how that's been exploited and how it's come to our present day 
to be something that damages our community, that we can all identify with. The better we can trace that back and say, oh, anytime you go to a doctor, the first time you go to a doctor, you go in, brand new doctor, one of the first things they have you do is sit down and fill out paperwork. And some of the most paperwork that you fill out at that doctor's office is your medical history. Why? Because the doctors understand that all of your medical situations right now, whatever your condition is right now, is predicated, is based on <clears throat> everything physically that's happened to you up until this point. Does your family have a, have a history of diabetes or heart disease or, or high blood pressure? They want to know all of these things because the history that you're a product of is exceedingly important. And so we have to understand that in order to better address the situation that's going on. Otherwise, we see what we see. This is a pissed off, understandably, justifiably, at the way males act. Males are dusted and disgusted and disrespectful on the way that they are perceived to conduct themselves, to act. But the more we understand why that is, the more we can keep our next generation from falling into that trap. This is during, during slave times, were cultivated, were uh, 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 taught, by example, to shield and protect and keep their boys away. Don't stand up. Don't bust your chest up when they do you wrong. Cower and hide. Stay behind me. That's had an effect on the way that males interact with our women today. That has had an effect on the way that sisters interact with those males today. So the better we understand the interaction, both the nature what we come in the Bible, I folks like the Bible. The Bible tells us that a child comes into this world an empty vessel to be filled with the knowledge of this world. So your nature is that empty vessel. You know, are you shaped like this? Are you shaped like a glass? Are you long and cylindrical? Are you a, a pot for cooking? Are you, you know, a skillet? Whatever that vessel is. And you get filled with your experiences, your cultivation, your nurturing, your life as you go forward. All of this plays into developing what it is exactly that vessel uh, means to society. So if that, that natural vessel comes into this world and is filled with poison, it's not going to do any good. So we have to better understand these interactions between men and women and the, the, the reasons for them the, the way they are. <clears throat> this is your baby cycle. <laughs> but, I, well, I will agree. It, and I could, I could just feel the heat when you say that sisters are haters <laughs> because they, the, the, the deceit and the lying. I, 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 from personal experience, I've known a lot like that. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I've known a lot of dudes that lie. But I think what, as a matter of fact, put it historically, Queen Hatshepsut was uh, uh, a queen back in the day, the, 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 the uh, uh, sister of uh, Tutmos III. She came to power in Egypt and Quebec, not because she killed somebody to ascend to the throne, not because she uh, ruled with an iron disc or impressed a lot of people, whatever. She took on the airs of a male. She put on the false beard, wore the crown dressed like a male, essentially played the role, played the game. She deceived when she went out into the world. So it's, again, not a judgment 
In some ways, it's in fact almost a compliment. Sisters are better at that game. That's just the way it is. Dudes get busted because dudes can't lie for shit. Dudes, you know, y'all know, dude will stand there, toe busted, hands around his ankles, looking at both women like, baby, it ain't what you think. I mean, come on, we're not, we, we just, we're not adept at it. That is absolutely, positively something that comes with the emotional development of a female. And again, that's not a diss. That's not a put down. That's just an observation that sisters do this particular thing better than males do as a response to the physical being dominated by the male. So I'm not going to invest too much more in saying anything before I step on my own feet. Um, <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, y'all act like y'all scared to touch this subject. I don't know what's wrong with y'all. <laughs> I, 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 I touch it. I know what's wrong with y'all. Y'all scared to touch the subject because you're scared that somebody that you want to sleep with will listen and you'll be bored from the club of getting vagina for the rest of your life. Uh, there you go. Well, I'm going to go I'm I'm, 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 I'm in a whole different direction than y'all going. And I'm going to start with one of the things you said earlier, dealing with nature. In nature, the basic instinct of all life is replication of the strongest. So that goes back to your whole concept of the alpha thing. But that's, that applies to everything in life. But as it applies to people and it applies to the bonding of the sexes, what we are dealing with actually is the tug of war within the attraction, stability, and molding. And I refer to that as a trifecta within a relationship. But between the attraction, stability, and molding, those in itself are combating calibration when you talk about two people. So let me start with the attraction because that's part of the whole aspect of the chase between the two people in the first place, which was created. So in saying that, this is what draws the connection within that relationship to the level of a union cohesion. Brother War, what is a union cohesion? This is the bringing together around the sexual embrace that bridges the two people together in the first place. So basically, when we're talking about battle of the sexes and when we're talking about this whole thing that, that creates that type of an intimate relationship, typically it, it, there is some type of stimuli that's taking place between the two that created that attraction. That is what I'm talking about when I say uh, a union cohesion. So now after the connection has been established, uh, the cohesion goes into what's referred to as stability. So stability to a man is generally uh, con uh, constant nurturing or lubrication of his creative energy. So let me dive into that a little bit. So when we talk about the lubricating of a creative energy, it's typically the man that or the male figure that is generating or building that environment within that relationship. This allows him to face obstacles uh, with answering or with answers and bring back home tools for building. But stability to a woman means a constant flow of generation, which basically means some type of creation. And oftentimes that goes into the stimulation of, you know, social needs or the stimulation of just some type of, of attention, but it's generated. 
But now this goes into the designing of the environment. But the big one that we're talking about between the attraction, the stability, and the molding is the mold because the mold can often go against the attraction and stability, which brings us to the conflict of calibration, which is an adjustment in the attraction. So when you deal with the, the, the standpoint of in, entering into the relationship because of the attraction, and then y'all formulate some form of stability, which goes into how y'all deal with one another and how y'all balance out the relationship, at that point in time, typically what strips that or starts stripping or eroding or eating away at that is that either one or both, typically it's both, we don't like to admit to it, but even men try to mold their women. Women try to mold their men. So that molding has to go into with the, with the fact that we, quote, unquote, fail or, or not even say, I don't like to even use the word fail. I like to say rise in love. But we, we bonded. We came together. That attraction that brought us together, all of a sudden, we love it to the point to where, hey, maybe if I tweak this or tweak that, it, it can get even better. It can be more like something else. So we're constantly chasing this utopia type of relationship, utopia type of bond with one another. So then we start molding. As a result of the molding, now you have to calibrate the relationship. And calibration is, is, is the fight against the attraction now, which is what brought y'all back, brought y'all together, and the stability, which is what keeps y'all together, keeps y'all together. So we enter into this, this constant rotation or this constant uh, I would call it basically a constant tug of war between those three aspects, what, what attracted y'all, what creates the stability, and, what, and the fact that the two partners try to mold one another along the way. So when I think of that, and when we talk about the war of the sexes, it is basically how you're dealing with those three things, those three elements within that trifactor, and then how do you go about calibrating to bring everything and keep everything in a flow or a balance as you continue that specific union that y'all are in, that, co that a union cohesion that, that created that bond in the first place. And I think that exists more so, obviously, in, when you talk about nature and, and, and humans because obviously we're dealing with intellect. Obviously we're dealing with a, a quote-unquote higher consciousness um, a, a animal, so to speak. And so, therefore, therefore, we're not dealing with the, the natural things that happen in life with, that, that brings attraction, like when you talk about animals uh, always wanting alpha. Well, that's a little bit different because when you talk about humanity, there's different types of alphas for different types of scenarios, for different types of situations, depending on the environment. So oftentimes, people want to operate and create a facade or create an environment that puts them in a position of some type of alpha, alpha environment. And that in itself, when the opposite sex or when the opposite, uh, uh, I would say, opposite character comes into scenario, they see that attraction or they like that attraction. Or we pull them into that world, which creates our, our, the perception of us being an alpha. And so when you're dealing with that and when you're dealing with that, that, that situation, if you're not able to keep that environment going or you're not able to, to bridge that environment across into other territories and, and continue that same environment, now you start uh, running a risk of not being able to keep that stabilization going within that relationship, which fulfills 
that that need that kept that bond or created that attraction in the first place. So then her creeps in molding. Well, let me let me mold this person be a little bit more this way, a little bit more that way, because there's really no such thing as the perfect. Uh, I would say the the perfect counterpart. See, that's a misconception we all have. We 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 throw that out there as if you there is a perfect person for me. But saying there's a perfect person for me means you obviously have have uh, analyzed and resolved all of your internal conflicts. Because oftentimes when we bridge and form these type of cohesions, we're looking for uh, this quote-unquote perfect person that will complement us in whatever our endeavors are. But when we think about complementing us in our endeavors, we're not thinking about the negative things. We're not thinking about the things that the social uh, dysfunctionalities that we may bring to a relationship. See, those kind of things are tucked back away. And we constantly try to hide them from our significant other in order to keep the attraction going. So then as those kind of things seep out, now we have to go right back to the concept of calibrating because now we have to calibrate the relationship. So the longer you're able to maintain and sustain this type of cohesion, all depends on how well you are in dealing with those four elements the attraction, the stability, the molding, versus the calibration. And oftentimes, this in itself, that type of fight uh, can conflict with whatever personal things that you want to do as an individual outside of the cohesion in terms of what you want to produce to the world or what you want to give to the world. So at times, does that union, can that union complement both of y'all's tasks or both of y'all's endeavors as it applies to what you want to leave in terms of a legacy or what you want to do in terms of uh, empowering those that are around you, in addition to that environment you build within that family structure. So now we're juggling within the individual, we're juggling within the family element, and then we're bridging a connection within the community element, but we don't want to make, we don't want that community element to conflict with what it is that I call a family. And so to me, when we talk about this, that in essence is the battle that constantly takes place. So I'm just going to let people soak on that for a minute. And then y'all talk about so you, 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 you said a lot. You said it. Uh, no, I like, I like what he said. I like what he <laughs> said. And I want to... <laughs> I want to build on that. I want to build on what Walt said right quick. I want to build on what Walt said and let somebody in the queue got, let somebody listening to the show have something that they want to add. I'm going to build on that a little bit because you made some nice points, Walt, even though, you know, you did it one one way. You made some nice points. Go ahead. Say again. Let the the audience know that press one if they want to jump in. Somebody was in the queue and they dropped out. Go ahead, Sykes. Okay. All right. right. Uh, Here's some points that you just made. And I think it's important to understand this because uh, when we're trying to understand something, when you're trying to break something down in order to get a true understanding, we need to understand the original of that and what it has evolved to in today's time. So I'm going to go over a lot of those points you just made, and I'm going to make it a little bit more understandable because, you know, you can get extremely technological when you're breaking down points. Now, the first thing, one of the first things you talked about it was the alpha, and you talked about there being many types of alpha. Well, the original alpha, in the original human society was, you, don't get me wrong, you're 100% correct. 
but the original alpha and the original human society was defined by one thing, and that was the ability to, uh, basically, he was the best fighter. He was the one who dominated when it came to warfare, where he was dealing with people in his own pack or people from other groups. He was the person who had the ability to defend the best. That's what made him now. A lot of times he was the biggest, he was the strongest, he was the most proficient at warfare. That's what made him now. Nowadays, our society has evolved the way the human being is supposed to do. And with that evolution, there are other elements that make a person an alpha. Because being an alpha is only about being able to to, uh, to provide for, to protect, to uh, and, and to actually educate and help your your seeds move on to the next generation. So that's what Alpha is all about. It's about being the first. And the hoods, we call them OGs now. But <clears throat> now that we've evolved civilization, one of the major things that defines an Alpha is his financial status. Is he financially equipped? Because in today's time, we're not on battlefields. We're not so much in our own front door in battlefields fighting with, uh, with arrows and swords and clubs. But we're fighting with finances, and the one who is better providing for his household, providing for his family, providing for his wife, for taking care of these things. In, a, in another video I did uh, uh, called uh, The Gift of Manhood, dealing with the size of manhood and what makes a man, I said that, uh, that a man has seven roles that he's expected to play in his lifetime. There are seven roles a man must be able to fulfill, and, and essentially, usually the alpha is able to fulfill those seven roles. Those seven roles are the role of a of a son, are the role of a brother, the role of a friend, the role of a husband, the role of a father, the role of a king, and the role of God consciousness. If a man uh, 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 completes his ability to play those roles, then he can be considered an alpha. He can be considered the true king in his household, and no one has a problem respecting him and playing that position. So yes, with the evolution of society, there are other elements that made a man an alpha. Another thing that has to be extremely uh, uh, looked at and it's very important for a man to be in that position is his intelligence. He has to, intelligence involves strategy. So he has to have the ability to produce and create the better strategy for his family to survive, for his family to thrive, and for his family to make sure that they pass legacies on to the next generation. Now, you talked about attraction earlier, Walt, and I want to talk about get on the little science of even that. When a man, let's say Brother E, we're going we're gonna to create characters. So we're going to say Brother E. <laughs> Brother E is walking down the beach in Miami somewhere with his shorts on, with no drawers on, barefooted, enjoying <laughs> himself. <laughs> enjoying himself. And he see this sister jogging on the other side. He see her. The sister coming through. She's jogging on the other side. He likes the sister. He's attracted to the sister. What happens is Brother E sees his sister and she fits his image, his ideal of what it is the feminine aspect of, of creation looks like. She fits that. And because she fits that, his brain starts to secrete a, a, a chemical called a, a dopamine. His brain secrets that feeling you get when you're like, God, Lee, I need to holler at her. I need to get at her. So you, you know, you get up enough carriage, you take some of the stuff that Brother Sykes set you down and taught you over the years, and you walk up to the to the woman. And, you know, you go to talking and you go to using that dynamic conversation that Brother Sight gave you, and boom, you went on. When you go, when you go to talking, her brain secretes dopamine. 
because she's looking at you and she's listening to you and she's like, wow, this guy seems to me to be the king. He seems to be that guy, you know. So, you, you know, you went over. Y'all might go out on a date. You might cook for whatever happens. Y'all have sex. Your brain starts, uh, uh, you, you, you'll have, both of y'all have an orgasm. Your brain secretes endorphins, this great feel-good hormone, essentially the same hormone that your brain secretes when you, when you use heroin or ecstasy. So essentially, you're getting addicted to her. Now, this, 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 this love, this quote-unquote love, because it's not love. You know, I'm, I'm going to explain that in a minute. This quote-unquote love feeling y'all have and this desire for y'all to be together and be in each other's life, this feeling literally only lasts for about six months. Everything else y'all build from there has to be built off intellect. It has to be built off intelligence. And what I mean by that is y'all have to be able to see the, the quality, enough of the qualities. And like, uh, uh, I think you know, I can't know once one of y'all just said, I think it was one, because no one is perfect. No one is that ideal person. That's how it is. If you're going for that, that's why you get unhappy. And most people end up breaking up and then getting a new relationship because what they're looking for is that initial feeling, that feeling that I said only lasts about six months. But when it goes away, they think, oh, I fell out of love with him or her. We went in two different places. But y'all went back into y'all right mindset. And when you break up, when a person breaks up with someone, scientifically, biologically, this is what's going on. When you, break, when you meet a new person and make them part of your life, this is why it's so hard for us to get away from, from, uh, from toxic people. We know they toxic. We know they need us no good. Hell, Brother E, you done been kicking with her. You done find out on the cool that she's an undercover prostitute. She's out on the website, sugar babies, and all kind of old weird stuff going on. And disappears for weeks at a time, flying out. Don't keep a job. Uh, you, you, you know what's going on. But you're so attached to her that you don't want to let her go. And, you, and you're willing to accept what the lies that she come back and tell you because this is what happens psychologically for men and women. When we meet a new human being, we psychologically integrate that person into our, to our reality. That person becomes a part of us as much as a leg or an arm. So when you lose that person out of your life, it's almost like losing an arm or a leg. It's almost like that. It's like the heroin addict not being able to get their fix. Have you ever seen it even on TV, them shaking and sick? This is that, this is that heartbreak uh, moment that people end up going through when they feel like they can't make it. I won't survive. I'm going to die if I don't have him. I'm going to die if I don't have her. This is that. This is that feeling. This is what's going on. And this is why I say everything after that initial feeling has to take place and it has to be based on intelligence. See, one of the things, brother, you made a beautiful point that slavery interrupted the development of African people. It interrupted it. It arrested that development. That's important to understand because when you arrest the people's development, you take certain things from them. And there are certain sciences that we knew, certain sciences that we understood and that people need in order to keep evolving. One of the sciences that we lost during slavery, even though the human being never stops biologically acting like human beings, we still was attracted, still wanted to have sex, still had the ability to have babies. But we lost the science of mating. And the science of mating is extremely important to understand when you, not only when you choose a person, 
to have a relationship with, but when you're developing and building that relationship, if you don't understand the science of mating, you'll end up in the situation Brother Walter just explaining where now y'all done created a family, y'all done had kids, and, and what, what, what y'all both are trying to accomplish in life are conflicting with each other. That's not, quote-unquote, natural for that to take place. That is happening because we freestyle in love. That's taking place because we freestyle in relationships and we're not creating relationships the way we used to do when we had unfit science to mate. And yes, there is a science to it. Why do you think when you when you be ready to mate a, a, a dog, when, and I'm not equating us to dogs, but I'm just using the animal kingdom. When you be ready to mate a dog, a dude can't just show up at Brother E's house. Brother E got a a a, 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 pure, a purebred pit in the backyard and a dude show up. His pit looked good. But, brother, he want to see the paper. Let me see the paper. We want to see the bloodline of this thing because we want to make sure we don't get no uh, Alaskan husky in, in bloodline mixed in with this because I'm trying to create pure blood pits. Sure. Same thing with thoroughbred racehorses. Thoroughbred racehorses are mated with thoroughbred racehorses for a reason. You know what I'm saying? You mate, you, the science of mating is based on not only knowing what you are trying to accomplish and where you're trying to go, but knowing what type of person is in characteristics that qualify for him to get there. You know, you cannot want to be, you can't want to be Little Wayne, the next rapper, and have a woman that hate rap. It just ain't gonna work. You know, you can't make that type of foolish, stupid decision. You can't want these things, the things that she's diametrically against, and think that y'all are gonna have a balanced union because you're not. You have to understand and operate based on the science of mate. And if you don't know the science of mate anymore, you have to go out and learn it symbolically. Uh, 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 and brother, he brought up the Bible while I go, so I'm going to use it. Symbolically, this understanding, this wisdom, what was shown in, uh, to us in Adam. If you look in the story of Adam and Eve in the very beginning, Adam was, was created first. Adam was created first. And I'm going to show some 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 uh, metaphors in this. And I'm, I'm, I only deal with symbol, symbolism and metaphor. And I, incidentally, that's another science that we lost to slavery, the science of symbolism. Because one thing that's important to understand is that human beings think in symbols. Human beings think and understand in symbols. If you see somebody with a hat on and a hat got some eyeballs, that heart-shaped symbol, and in why, you automatically know that that hat says, I love New York. But the hat does not say that. It's symbols that tell you that. That's not what a heart looks like. NY is, is the initials for New York. It's not how you spell New York. And an eyeball and eye as a human being is not the same exact thing. But those symbols register with us. And when you understand the science of symbolism, you know how to take a symbol and let the metaphorical truth come out of it. Anyway, back to, uh, back to the story of Adam. So Adam was created. And then after Adam was created, Adam was given a job, a purpose, a reason for existence. In that reason for existing, Adam was also given something else. He was given the, the, the duty to develop his logic and his reasoning abilities. And I know y'all probably saying, man, you crazy as hell. I read that story. Don't let it say he was given. Yeah, it was. Because the job he was given, he was given the job of naming the animals. He was given the job of naming the animals. He was given dominion of everything in the earth, everything in the sea, and everything on land, and to name them. And when you name something, you not only qualified and quantified, but you define it based on that quantification. And that's where he developed that, that logic and that reasoning that these are the, um, this is the understanding that a man has to develop first before he seeks a mate. 
if you're seeking a mate and you're not qualified, you live at home with mama, don't have a job, don't know where you're going in life, uh, 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 riding a skateboard to school, you don't need a woman yet. You need a job. Because a woman, and I, when I say a job, I'm not just talking about going to work for uh, JoJo at, at, at the pizza place. I'm talking about a reason for existence, even if it doesn't pay money. You got to have a purpose, a reason for being on the planet. And then that woman has to be a helpmate to that person. And so it, it becomes insane to choose someone who doesn't want to help with that person. That's where the conflicts come in with when we start developing and producing and trying to create families because we don't understand what our purpose is and we don't understand the science of making. We don't understand those things anymore and we don't understand the science of the symbol. Then in that same story, it's in that same story it says that God, the creator, the all-wise, all-intelligent, omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient being of the, of the, of the entire universe realized that man did not have a mate compatible with so this all-wise, all-intelligent thing finally realized it. No, God didn't realize it. God, didn't, God wouldn't have forgotten. Not that God. That all-seeing, all-powerful God would not have, have missed that. That all-seeing, all-powerful God would have understood that. But in that story that is given to us because we're given an understanding of it. First, before you can have, as I just said, you have to have a job. You have to have a purpose for being. Second, you have to recognize your need for her. Because if she if she just give it to you arbitrarily and without you recognizing the need for it, then you'll take it for granted. Ah, hell, I never asked for that. No way. I don't need that in my life. I never asked for it. You know, then the, then the next thing you have to understand that, that then she was created from his real. She was created from his real. He was put to sleep. She was created from his real. So this all-powerful God who just created man from dirt needed a real to create a woman. No, again, we're being told something metaphorically. Because once you realize that you need her, you have to be willing to sacrifice something in order to have her. Sacrifice, sacrifice something that's an integrate part of yourself. It may be going to the strip clubs every weekend. It may be uh, messing with other, other women. I ain't no telling what it is. But it's something that you have to sacrifice in order to have her, in order to have her satisfied. You know, these are the things that this story is telling us symbolically as far as our, our relationship. But then we get another thing that's told. Because soon as she gets away from him, soon as she gets away, and this goes back, I'm going to piss women off with this one. Soon as she gets away from him, <laughs> soon as she gets away from him, remember I said he has to develop his logic and his reason. So in this story, Adam represents the logical aspects of us, the left brain. And Eve represents the more emotional and intuitive parts of us, which is, which is equally important, the right brain. Because you don't walk around with a left brain without a right brain. It don't exist. So you have the left brain and you have the right brain being manifested in these two characters in this story. So as soon as she get away from the left brain, as soon as she get away from the logic, as soon as she get away from the rationality, as soon as she get away from that, she's tempted by the tempter. She's tempted by this serpent, this, 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 uh, uh, this Satan, so to speak. She's tempted, and she falls for the temptation. And when she falls for the temptation and goes against the wisdom of God, she then takes that same temptation back to her man and tempts him against the wisdom of God, which is where the problem arises because she was not supposed to fall. She was not supposed to, I mean, he was not supposed to, he could have saved the whole thing because he, he was the one giving the job. He was the one giving the command. He was the one giving these people. So when she came to him and said, hey, man, man, you know, you know, 
the supreme wisdom is lying. You know, we 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 ain't gonna die. We're gonna become like the supreme wisdom. What he supposed to say? What the hell? Who the hell you been talking to? What you, what you been doing? He was supposed to put his foot down in that situation, but this beta bell man, John a sucker. He oh okay baby. Any anything anything to anything to maintain our relationship, baby. Let me eat the forbidden fruit too. This sucker, he went for this and he didn't stand his ground and operate in the in the in the mode that he was created to operate in. And you got a lot of these man John the suckers running around here doing the same thing right now today. You got a lot of them. So in this story, I don't claim that the woman is the worst thing in the world, but because of what I said earlier, I said what I said earlier, she evolves, she evolves deceit, manipulation, and seduction, then deceit, manipulation, and seduction could more readily appeal to her in the form of faith. It could more readily appeal to her than it could have appealed to rationality and logic. It could more readily appeal to that emotional side. And you'd have seen it. All of you done experienced it. Brother E, if when you done got emotional, you was more you were more likely to make a stupid decision than you was if you was in your sound mind. Right or wrong? I can't deny it. All of y'all scared. Y'all scared to talk on this. But I'm just I'm just being one hundred. So I I wouldn't Yeah, I heard you say you can't deny it. Yeah. I heard you say but I just wanted to touch on the points that the war made. I wanted to touch on those points. And that's why it's important. Uh, 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 for us to understand the signs of maiden and get back on track, cause we off track, we off track, and we freestyle. One thing, you know, buddy, you said it about understanding what we went through, and see people like, man, that was in the past. We ain't got to deal with that, man. Forget that stuff, man. You know, but one of the things about about slavery and the quote unquote ending of slavery, when slavery ended, the human beings that came out of the out of the uh, the uh, the institution of slavery was never given the things that human beings need in order to be self-sufficient functional human beings. As I just said, we lost the signs of maiden and we lost the signs of symbolism. We also lost the signs of warfare during slavery and we lost the signs of economics. So you were released from slavery with no economics, with no land, with no understanding of how men and women are supposed to relate to one another. You know, you were released without, without that and some will even you released with a plan set in place to make sure that you never developed that because the roles were, 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 were uh, efficiently reversed. You have right now today, if you look at society, you have men acting more like women. I'm not even talking about homosexuality. I'm just talking about men that are so weak and so cuddled that they act more on their emotions and women having to step up and be the heads of the household, single mothers, raising children by themselves, going to school, getting a better job, so they could be able to take care of all their financial responsibilities. Big Mama and Madura is the heads of the household. Hell, even on movies, she the one that keeps everything together. Big Daddy is a third almost standing, standing his ground and being the, the force of, of, of uh, instruction inside the family that he's supposed to be. And this is where these conflicts come from in this in the community. Because see, a woman gives the first birth to a child through her womb, but a man is supposed to get that second birth to a child in his mind through the guidance and the teachings that he's supposed to pass to children. So this leaves a generation of girls ill-equipped to understand how they're supposed to relate to men and how to carry themselves as women in the eyes of a man, and it leaves a generation of men ill-equipped with how they're supposed to relate to women and how they're supposed to carry themselves as men in the eyes of women. And with that, I'll pass the mic. 
or y'all still don't want to touch this subject? No, I, I mean, I, I say, I say the thing, the thing you talking on, Sykes, is is literally we putting the conversation of the battle of the sexes before we talk about the aspects of what created the current conditions, which is what you getting into. So we're dealing with the dynamic well, of, does, of not does, having the rites of passage. Go ahead. Well, see, the conversation does not go without that. You know, the whole person, when we build, when we have these conversations, we ain't just going to say this happened. We're going to say why. We're going to break that thing down. You know, we're going we gonna, to uh, 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 we're gonna analyze. You know, we're not just going to say it. We're going to analyze. I mean, there's a lot of things came with it. Hell, a lot of things that's, that's, that's going on with women, being, being the way women are even today, has a lot to do with uh, the feminist movement and what Shahrazad Ali just said in the beginning of that intro, brother, he gave she said a nice, if you listen to that intro, she said, Asharazad Ali said something very, very nice. She said that that black women uh, uh, attached themselves to that to that female liberation movement, which was about uh, uh, white women being liberated from white men, because white men seek to sought to dominate everything around them, even their women. So. That that was really not a black woman's movement because black women never needed to be liberated from black men. White women need to be liberated from white men, and and that movement created that ideal that that I'm independent woman. I don't need a man. That whole concept and that whole ideal, and then women put men on the back burner for years, and then women women uh, 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 go through they go through their twenties when they're in their, their uh, when they're in their quote unquote arguably. Their, uh, their, their phase of being the most fit, their most sexiest, they're in that phase, instead, instead of meeting their, their husband, their future husband, marrying and producing their family, they want to go through hot girl summer when they go through that phase. And then when they get older, <laughs> yeah, I mean, these just same things. So we got to deal with, when we're dealing with the subject, there's no way to deal with the subject itself without dealing with the causes of it, what causes were created yeah. and how we can back ourselves out of it. Right. I, I agree. Right. And I'm I'm glad we're covering that. Right. Now, also, from that same perspective okay. you're talking about, that goes into the idea of the attraction. So even when you say that was never for the black woman, the deal is it, it still created a stimuli and an attraction. And, and the, the, that attraction oftentimes is what creates you know, uh, further uh, dysfunctionality between the black man and the black woman as it applies to that because the black woman was attracted to the strength that she saw. And from into, in, in her eyes, that strength was the white woman fighting for her independence, fighting for her freedom, fighting for her recognition. And now when you're dealing with two, two factors within the black community, when you're talking about people that are coming, that, that are capsulized in a form of domestication, which again goes right back to what you were saying about how when we came out of our bondage here in the United States and across the world, we, we dealt with a situation where we were stripped of the ability to overcome that bondage. So for one, the bondage was removed, but not the actual, the, the actual systematic conditions of that bondage. So psychologically, attraction and appealing and dominance and, and, and standing up and rising up is going to be attractive, attractive. And those attractive traits causes people to make moves based upon that attraction. Problem is, 
is all of a sudden you attracted to something that, that does not have an answer for your specific situation. So when you don't address your specific situation because you don't know to address your specific situation because, again, there's no proper rights of passage and there's still some, some form of, of, of freedom and liberation that needs to be established, now we get into situations to where we start partially addressing some of our conditions. And as we partially address some of our conditions, it creates more of a conflict between the black man and the black woman. It creates more of a conflict within our bonding of one another because now you're talking about the black man who has to compete or, or, or fight within an environment to where the, the, the white man from that standpoint is everything other than him is considered a minority first. Look at it like that. Everything is considered minority, all other races and all other sexes, period, or minorities. So you're dealing with a population of people who have yet to rise up to any position of being a, a, in a position of, of superiority within their own environment. That's why I talked about how individuals can address being an alpha based upon creating a perception of alpha, of, of alpha dominance within an, a set environment. So if I'm not able to be strong in this area, then I'm going to be strong in this area. And then I'm going to basically shine my light on my strengths. By shining my light on my strengths, then I create this overwhelming level of attraction on that level, in that particular area. In the meantime, I hide everything else on the back burner. Or I put everything else behind me, and I'm going to make sure this shines. And so I'm complicating the relationship. And see, that's what we're dealing with because we, we haven't gotten down to the solutions of what actually put us in a position we're in and how to overcome that position as a community. We drop back down to the to – the, uh, we, we, we're in the process of building a family, you know, and addressing our individual um, hangups and our, our individual things that we have to overcome, and at the same time, we're still dealing with the building of what, what the current situation and makeup is of a black community or, or, or intact structure, family structure in the first place. So what makes a family structure to those that are in, in a position of power, in a position of dominance, don't necessarily make up the family structure for us. But yet we see the attraction of that. And so these type of things continually uh, complex our scenario because we want the best of what? Both worlds. Because our world is not whole. But we want that whole. But how do you get that whole when that whole is based upon a subjugation of creating inferiority in the first place? And see, so the battle of the sexes now becomes a battle of lifestyles. And those battles of lifestyles have become overly complicated, which also adds to the heightened situation now that we find ourselves faced with, going back to what you were talking about with the uh, Black Lives Matter movement and how that was dominated and who dominated that movement and what spoke to that movement. See, so these things keep continually, continually snowballing because we have to recognize that there are three factors that we have to address as we address the whole situation which created this environment in the first place with the attraction, stability, and molding. But within our family structure of that, as well as just dealing with creating that union cohesion period, whether we're talking about long-term 
or short term, all that we're still faced with the fact that we're dealing with racism and systemic and systematic racism across the board, which moves us in, into a whole nother realm of how we address each other in terms of our sexual relationships. Now, E, I'll let you jump in on that. Well, well, let me say this about that. So, yeah, if, you know, kind of piggybacking on what you were saying, like the, the, uh, uh, or maybe it was war, I don't know. I just in and out. Um, with the uh, the alphaness of the, the, the women's rights movement and all of that, If being alpha, just in a purely, I don't know, physical sense, if, if that had been maintained, because there was a time, cats like Malcolm, cats like uh, uh, Huey, Fred, even Dr. King, those should be the ultimate. Every sister should have pictures of them up in their room, like they rock stars, like they Jay-Z and Kobe and all of that. Because these, for our community, were the ultimate alpha male. Because they stood up against the ultimate threat. But True indeed. During, that, during that time, these alpha males, much like during so-called slave times, these cats were dropped. They were popped off by the power structure, wiped off the face of the planet. And so naturally, again, that, that mothering instinct kicks in to protect the family. You have a generation of sisters that look at these cats and like, yeah, these dudes stood up, but uh, they gone. And walks the this, this feminist movement, this, this white feminist movement, and these white women are actually able to stand up. I don't know if any white feminist who is out there mouthing, doing things in that movement that would be parallel to what Malcolm McHugh were doing in ours types of things, it's not going to be the same, but you know what I'm saying, that were assassinated by the government. So there's a certain, there's a certain safety in siding with that. Not condemning, not putting judgment, judgment or anything like that on it. It's just something to consider that as the alphaness in our community stands up and expresses that alphaness for the sake of the community, you know, in the 50s and, or prior to integration, uh, a black man, to be a black man, because it was segregated and kept, uh, uh, comparatively speaking, within that uh, community, an alpha man could be an alpha man to a degree. Couldn't be an alpha man in the broader sense, in the broader community, because the community wouldn't let him. Let's face it, if the alphaness today, as you alluded to, and I concur, is based a whole, whole lot on not can you kick somebody's ass, but can you make the money? We have to understand that that question, can you make the money, is ultimately still controlled by the oppressor. So your alphabet mm-hmm. still only goes as far as the oppressor allows you the tools to, to develop and to grow and do that. And we know that those who are able to, in fact, provide and whatnot, aren't really alphas because in order I'm up. glad. I'm glad you said that point because I meant to make, make that point and forgot. Go ahead. In order to make big money in this in this system in the society and community, you really and I expressed it this way years ago to a cat back in Sadiq when we were talking about when we worked uh, were 
doing uh, tech work back in Texas, that it's a different dynamic when a sister goes to work, you know, in, in a white corporation, you know, uh, with Apple or, 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 or Radio Shack or whatever, whatever job it is. There's a different dynamic when a sister goes to work and a brother goes to work. When a brother goes to work, yes, I'm not, I'm not, saying, I'm not trying to take away anything from what a sister deals with at work. It's fucked up, especially come, coming from those folks, what sisters have to go through. But for a man just walking in the door, for a brother just to walk into the door in order to earn a paycheck, we know, whether consciously or subconsciously, we know we have to hang our balls at the door. You can't put your chest up and be what a black man is supposed to be at your job because a lot of that will end you up in the penitentiary. A lot of that will end you up at least with a case. When a sister gets aggressive and, and gets vocal and da 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 da, they'll call her a bitch because she's standing. They'll say she's aggressive, not aggressive when she becomes assertive. They'll say she's aggressive or she's being bitchy or she's got an attitude problem, blah, blah, blah. If a brother does it on the job, they're calling her folks. So there's a different dynamic that goes on. So when a brother goes into these types of situations to earn that check, he actually has to become the beta male in order to make that money to appear to be the, the, the alpha male back in our beta community. Because our community as a whole is beta. It's not alpha at all. So all of these different dynamics, it, it, it's confusing as hell. But the bottom line is that you, and, and especially in regards to, 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 to the, this white feminist movement, when sisters see these brothers getting popped and dropped and, and put out of the way for standing up for the community, there's a void that's created. created and so, of course, there comes the, the, these white women talking about, yeah, freedom, and we're being oppressed, and da-da-da-da-da, and sisters needing to continue to fight, to push forward, to do better, to make better, sees a possible avenue toward that. So I gravitate, a lot, of, a lot of sisters gravitate toward that. And again, this is not judgment. This is not saying she's wrong for doing it. It's just some of what is. It's just how things have gone on. And for me, you know, Ward's mentioned the word solution a few times, and as we get down to the last 30 minutes or so, um, I do think it's absolutely important. We have to endeavor. We have to spend time. We have to put energy into understanding who it is we are as opposed to who it is we're expressing. So 400 years or so, we've had the example of what manhood is as a white man, whether it's on TV and the movies and the newspaper and politics and finance, whatever it is, this has been the example, especially when you go back to what we mentioned earlier, how black men were, were holed out to different plantations and you had all of these children with no uh, father figure in swoops the white slave master. Oh, so that's what it is to be a man. That's what it is to be a woman. This is how I need to conduct myself. 400 years and generally, generationally reinforced by our own people in our own community, we've come to believe that these things, making this money, doing this, doing that, that these things are actually what define what a man is. In this society, if, in any society, part of a man's definition is, like you said, is being able to provide for his family. Two, three thousand, four, six thousand years ago, that meant a man go out into the world, get a piece of land, farm it, get some cows or some, some horses or whatever it is, raise them up, be able to feed the family, be able to, to trade those things for goods that the family needs, and da 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 
to take care, provide the economics for his family. That's what manhood was. Today, it's still the same. Manhood is being able to provide for your family. But as I said, unfortunately, those means by which the, the means to doing that are controlled by a group of people who mean us no good. You can't provide for your family. And I don't care if you're an entrepreneur or not because you still got to bow down to the federal government. If they say no, your business is gone. I don't care how, how clever you are, how, how much you know the game. If they say uh-uh, it's uh-uh. They can pass a law to Mike. You, if Sykes would like to make me a character in your store, Sykes, if you start uh, producing uh, stocking hats with smiley faces on tomorrow, and you all of a sudden, you're making money hand over fish, you're making five, ten Gs a month, these things are selling like nothing. Then a month from now, the feds turn around and decide, okay, stocking hats with smiley faces are illegal. Sykes out of business because we don't control their definition. Someone who means us no good is in control of the means of, of production, the means of taking care of ourselves. So we have to get, we have to invest time in studying those things that are painful, understanding what it is we've gone through, understanding what, what it is, our definition, because our definitions are not the same definitions. We have to look at history and to look at history, the definition of what, why white women have been trying to get away from the oppression of their white uh, uh, counterparts, their men, so to speak, uh, men been trying to get out of the sun, from under the thumb of their men is their fight because there's never been, to my knowledge, a women's rights movement in the history of African people because African societies, traditional, are based, despite what you see on CNN, despite what you see on PBS and National Geographic and the rest of that nonsense, traditional African societies are based on, in part, the upliftment of women. Women have a particular uh, 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 place of, of regard and respect and honor. She maintains her role, and that's what a lot of, you know, white women didn't want to be in the kitchen, didn't want to take care of the home, but the home is the most important fucking thing in this. Why would you not want to take care of that? Why do you want to be the CEO of fucking Yahoo or Lockheed Martin? Why is that better than raising your child to be a god or a goddess? or at the very least, a king or a queen, or at the very, very least, a man or a woman. Why is that so much less? Why? Because their value system is what we're operating on. So the things that hold our families together, have held our families together for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, get shunned and kicked to the side so that we can come up, so that we can have nice things, so that we can be pretty and, and have these extensions and, and rings on our things. All of this nonsense, their value system, our value system says no. You are the most precious thing. The most important element in creating a family is the, is the black woman. The most important uh, element in maintaining that family is the black man. And we have to get back to respecting those roles. Women don't want better jobs. They don't want to make bigger money. They want to be respected for what it is they are, what they bring to the table naturally, just as a man does. But we've gotten away from that because our experience in this country that we refuse to acknowledge is still perpetuating a situation that was declared supposedly illegal a couple of hundred years ago. So we perpetuate this war between men and women when in our culture, in African civilization, there was no war between the sexes. We weren't just opposites, we were complements, and we played to that. 
and everybody played their role. Everybody stayed in their lane until these cats came along and told us, hey, you're being mistreated. What the fuck are you talking about? Mistreated what? Mistreated by you? Mistreated by males that are trying to act like you? Because you kill the males that stand up and say this ain't right. So we have to get back to where we value our own lives, number one, and then the relationship between each of those lives. And the only way we can do that is to begin to invest in the history of our people. That's just what it is. Hello? I can agree. I can agree with that 100%. Uh, now, I got a question, and I'm only asking this question because I think it's very important for, uh, for the listening audience to understand this. When you was explaining and talking about traditional African societies and African African, uh, there'll be some in the audience that'll be like, well, well, I thought we were talking about black people in America. What the hell are you talking about? And what does that have to do with us? Can you please tie that together so we can understand why that's important or why did you use the term African? Well, part of what Europeans did to divide all of this up was to create this thing called race. And so when African people, the race, African people, were stolen from Africa, they were African when they left, they were African when they got here. When these African folks had children, they had African babies. When those babies grew up, they were African adults who turned around and had African babies. We have to identify with what is as opposed to what we've been told to identify it as. There is no land. There is no country. There is no beginning point for, for African Americans. The only people that, that, that amend, that tag on the, the word American, if I say, what is your race? The only group of people that don't, in this country, that don't automatically add American behind it are white folks. I don't think I've ever heard anybody say, I'm a white American. They say, I'm white. That's their race. We say African American so that we can, we can somehow feel validated, so that I can say, well, I have some roots that are African, but I'm not really African. I'm actually an American, which, number one, ain't got nothing to do with your race, number one. Number two, uh, you're not an American. You're arguably not an American because of the Constitution. So it's necessary for us to reach back beyond slavery. Black history is cool to start with, but black history only goes back to the beginning of this country. There is no black history before that. There's African history. And so we have to tie ourselves into that so we get a picture of ourselves and what we are. Every other group of people who has any kind of power, this Asian hate stuff that's going on, they have some, some people to get, get shot up or, or slapped around and talked too bad. I'm not trying to be, that's not African. As an African, I feel, I feel for y'all. But as a brother who's seen and heard so much in this country, it's like, yeah, get over it. You know, but they're able to wield a certain amount of power because, number one, if these are Chinese folks, they've got an entire country, uh, the most populous country in the world, China, to back them up. If enough Chinese people get uh, shot down in the street in this country, uh, the country of China is going to have a problem with that. They're going to say something. Vietnamese people, same way. Latino people whatever flavor of Latino you're talking about, same way, because they have a landmass outside of this country to call this country into check. Black folks don't have that. 
Ain't no black Sonia. Ain't no Blackville. Ain't no none of that. Black has come out of the experience of us being oppressed and as a reaction to our oppression. As Africa was established long before, you know, whatever country, whatever tribe or nation or group within Africa was around long before that and it's true to ourselves and who it is we are. So we have to get ourselves in a position where we can see clearly and to deny those roots, to not be able to come to a point where you are can say to yourself, at least in the mirror, I understand a lot of folks don't want to say it out someplace else. I say it just because it pisses other people off and causes confusion, but <clears throat> if for no other reason, but to at least be able to look in the mirror and say, yeah, I'm an African and leave it at that, then we have no tie to anything except slavery because the, folk, the, the, the black folk in this country were burst out of slavery, came out of slavery, and that's all we ever be is slaves until we tie ourselves to something bigger, better, and greater than America. Donald Trump talked about make America great again. Black folk can't say make black folk great again because black folk have never been great. I don't care where you start in, in this country, black folk have never been great. We've always been on the run. We've always had somebody chase us. We've always had somebody hunting us down. We've always been at the, at the, at the, at the, at the mercy of the oppressor, whether it was the slave catcher or the overseer or the slave master or the kidnappers who caught us in the first place, whether it was the vigilante mobs, the KKK, the NRA, whether it's the police, whether it's whoever it is, we've always had something, somebody looking to murder us. That's our legacy. That's the history of black folks, period. Yeah, we have some black folks that did some great things, the, the brother with the peanut and Louis Latimer and this, that, and that. Some folks did some great things in spite of the stuff that went on. But you have no history as a people beyond being chased. That's the commonality amongst all of those people, whether it's Booker T and WDB, WED, whether it's Malcolm and Martin, whoever it was, the same thing that all of those cats shared, Harriet Tubman, Denmark VC, all of them, all of them shared one thing in common, and that's the fact that they were on the run from the oppressor. All of them. That's the legacy of black folks. The legacy of the African is the pyramid. The legacy of the African is the creation of mathematics, cosmetics, astronomy, astrology, every type of science you can imagine, civilization itself, writing, art, everything. The creation of other people on this planet, all the other races, came from Africa. That's our legacy. So if we choose to tie in with the legacy of that, or we choose to tie into the legacy of, of, of slavery, we're going to act accordingly. As long as you believe that you began as slaves, you're going to be comfortable acting as a slave. You're not going to believe that you can be more than a slave. So we have to start tying into something that's greater than the nonsense that the, the same people have taught us over the years. I don't know if that speaks to your, your question, but that's the best I can do. Oh, yeah, that was great. That's, that's, all, I wanted, that's all I wanted to be put out there because a lot of times, you know, a lot of times we don't understand the connection between black people in America and Africa. A lot of times that connection has been lost, and it was done strategically. It was done for a reason. You know, in order war, Sun Tzu says that if you create barriers between allies, between your enemies' allies, then you have best people to deal with. So, it, I mean, it makes sense, you know, just that that was done. And I just want you to explain what you're talking about because it was done so effectively that a lot of times when people hear African, they don't know or realize that you're talking about them anymore. 
It's like we talk about somebody else. Now, I, I have another thing I want to put on the table while we talk about the water sex. Uh, another thing that has happened, some black men, and I used to have this conflict a lot with black men when they go to talking negatively about black women, but many black men have started to date outside the race, outside of black women. They went outside Latin, Asian, uh, even white. And uh, Dr. Umar... <laughs> yeah, yeah, you and you and you and you're a product of it. Uh, 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 Barack Obama is a product of it. Uh, what's her name? Kamala. Kamala is a product of it. And uh, but Dr. Umar said that a man cannot talk black and date white. You know, so I want to know y'all thoughts on this on the on the, on inter, on the interracial dating thing. Can a man truly be? A revolutionary? Can he be Hugh P. New? Can he be Fred Hampton and date other than black women? Is, is, is dating black women a prerequisite for it? What are y'all thoughts on that? I say y'all let me ask, let me jump well, in first on this one because oh, my well, wife right, happens good, good to be, my wife happens to be a Filipino, and so from that perspective, I would say you can still do revolutionary acts but you cannot holistically address and tackle the aspect of the family, the black family structure from that union. Now, can you, in, can you put that back into your children and see to it that they reconnect back with their, with, with their African heritage and reconnect back with their strengths? Yes. But there are certain things, obviously, by going outside, regardless of what the intent was, Going outside, I would say, yeah, I would say Umar is right to a certain degree. And even with me being in a marriage that I, that I approve of in regards to my situation, I do not approve of the marriage from the standpoint of because it's a interracial marriage. So in other words, I'm not going to say I'm a, I favor interracial marriages. I'm not going to say that that's a good thing. I'm going to say that I happened to have connected with somebody that was a Filipino, but I did not do so for the sake of being other than so, with someone that's black. So you have, to you have to look at the dynamic of that situation. If people choose to bond with someone because they're not black, now we got an we internal conflict, an internal issue that needs to be addressed that a battle that they're fighting with themselves. That was not my case. But from that standpoint, a lot of people are approaching that because. And see, I think that goes right back to what we talked about earlier when we talk about a right to passage. When you talk about the attraction that people may have as a result of something they see in someone else who may be fighting a specific fight or looking at things from a specific characteristic other than that which is black. Or African, as we should say, like Brother E saying, as, as African. Because from that yeah, standpoint, yeah. especially if we're going to talk about, if we're going to polarize it and talk about black or white, not, not so much Asian, but if we're going to definitely talk about black or white, then what we're talking about is the appeal, for instance, if we're talking about a, a, a black woman to a white man, it may be the appeal of, of being in a dominant situation in terms of your environment to where you are, you are at the top of the chain no matter what you face. And that attraction may cause her to gravitate toward that position. And the same thing can reciprocate when you're talking about 
a black man possibly being attracted to a white woman. Or it could be his inferiority within himself that creates an attraction. So that, to me, is a whole nother, you know, route into a whole nother different show, being that we down to the last 20 minutes. But I would say, yeah. just from the situation I'm dealing with, with a Filipino, and the specific Filipino I'm dealing with, that it does not impede my interest or impede my ability to want to get out in the community, to want to see to it that African people do the best that they can be to uplift ourselves and liberate ourselves. But it is far, I think, it, I would say, I think it is far and in between within interracial relationships that you have that situation. Because for me, from that standpoint, I was a panther before the relationship. So I didn't go into my relationship yeah. looking to be um, – should I say, looking to be complimented or looking to find pride within myself as, as an African. I wouldn't, I, I, you know, we're talking about me already being in my, in my mid-30s. So from that standpoint, that wasn't the case. But oftentimes, especially within young relationships, you're dealing with, you're dealing with certain types of inferiority complexes that may be going into or may be leading into why there is an interracial relationship. And that can and oftentimes it's passed right on to the child, which causes that child oftentimes to grow up and want to pick a specific side to the degree to where they hate the other side and love this side. So now they're going to be fighting within themselves about that. And so that's a whole different level of dynamic that you, you may face. And so as a result of that, that's why I would say I do not, I do not, accept or agree with the interrelational relationships because how many people enter into relationships at a young age and have defined who they are and have defined their status in terms of what they're going to present and help and deal within the world. Most, most men are not at that point coming straight out of, of you know, into a, in, in, in a young relationship. They're still growing. They're still figuring themselves out. And so from that time, from that position, and the same thing with a woman, you're dealing with a young woman and a young man, oftentimes they are not even introduced into that. Because, again, we're talking about us as African people have not gone through a proper rites of passage here. So we hadn't learned a lot of times, oftentimes, our, 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 our positive aspects of what we present to the world or what we should be presenting to the world before we engage into a relationship with an opposite sex or a bond period. So then typically from that standpoint, the appeal was somebody outside of your race. And so if that is the appeal and that is the connection, now we move right back into the whole thing about the attraction. Was the attraction based upon that? And if the attraction was based upon that, is the stability going to be based, based, uh, based upon how often you appeal to the, uh, to the, to the other person's um, racial or ethnic background? Because if so, then now that's taking you away from your African-centeredness. Now that's taking you away from being able to provide and produce and generate that same environment for your children if y'all have seeds together. And so now, now we move further and further away from the dynamic of liberating our people. 
And so that is another layer of complexity like I talked about earlier. Every time you throw something in there, you create a complexity. Now, do I deal with that? Hell yeah. It creates a level of complexity just simply because we can't share that particular type of bond. So from that standpoint, that's another obstacle I have to, I have to deal with. So why should we promote generating obstacles that will get in the way of our, of our African-centered thinking? I don't agree that we should promote those type of obstacles. So from that stand, I yield the floor to y'all too, but I did want to throw that out there. Go ahead. Well, I want to say this. Uh, you got something to say, E? Because I was going to say something that might take up the last of the time. Well, as, as the resident uh, half-breed on the show, I was next going to speak to that. Uh, 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 um, number one, now I know I understand more why war worked so hard after in San Diego. Uh, he's he trying to he trying to make up for that <laughs> dynamic. Um, <but laughs> that that whole idea for me, you know, black women, white women, it, 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 it it's actually one of the reasons. There's a lot of reasons, but it's one of the reasons that I'm in the relationship, non-relationship. Uh, 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 I don't know what you call it, ambiguity or whatever, this, this detachment that I'm at because I don't want to be with something other than an African woman. And with my mindset, where I'm at, what I do, it's very difficult to find a sister that really, truly appreciates that, not just in words, but in acts, in the sense of investing herself along the same line so that she better understands which ultimately helps her out, get her to that, you know, that, that understanding that, you know, following behind this particular wagon, so to speak, um, is a way to develop herself because those things are not valued, you know, as you said earlier, not valued in this community, in our community, in this world, in this society. And I think a first step for especially brothers, and I'm going to put this on brothers, because, you know, Again, the idea that we're actually not alpha males, we're only alpha males in relationship to other non-alpha males. You know, the white man is the alpha male. And I think, and I'd like to hear y'all both say it, but Francis Press Wilson said one of the things that brothers have got to do to begin to undo all of this madness is to acknowledge that we're afraid of white men. Bottom line, I'm scared to death of white men. Because they hold all the cards. They hold all the power. They can come and wreck your life, snap of the fingers, real easy, no problem. And I think that, that, that we have to acknowledge that in order to begin embracing those fears and those underlying things. But um, I don't think that, you know, because Frederick Douglass, after he was married to a sister for years, ended up marrying a white woman, being with a white woman. And I know that's something Dr. Umar has had to, to address and whatnot, but I agree with most everything that, that War said. You know, not having having never been with a non-African woman, I can't really relate to that dynamic. In part because I'm I don't want to relate to that dynamic. I don't want that stress and that pressure. I've got enough. I ain't trying to deal with that. Um, besides the fact that I feel like I deserve the best, so whatever. Um, <laughs> I, I, I understand. But, I heard a brother one time who had a has, has a white wife. I guess he still does. Actually, and I actually thought this when I was younger, way younger, that being you know mixed, 
being Jesus, being black and white, whatever you want to call it, I don't care. Um, the child, the product of a black-white relationship specifically, and talk about the most extreme, the two extremes, you could argue the point for a Filipino white is, hell, you go back far enough, you know, just a little bit in their history, they're dark, they're brown, they look like us, but um, the black and white, the, the, the child of a union in that situation gets the best of both worlds. And I had to ask his brother, okay, so from your white wife, your child gets exposure to white culture. Okay. From his black father, you, what about black culture, African culture, I would say, what is that child getting from you? And the reality of it is, whatever culture he brings to the table is a reinforcement of the culture that belongs to the white mother. So, you know, and my thing has always been family, children, children, children. Y'all know me absolutely 100%. So that's always forefront in my mind is who am I bringing home? Who am I going to have around? Not just is she same, but is she black? You know, that, that or is she African? That's, that's uh, you know, bottom line, bottom line prerequisite for me. So I'm going to cut it short. Thank you, Sykes. Sykes, you got five minutes. I'm going to stop you, whatever you're doing. <laughs> well, that ain't a lot of time, but I'm going to say this. <clears throat> about the interracial thing, and I'm, I'm going to throw this opinion out there. Uh, you're right when you said about Filipino. You said they dog look like us. Now, it's a little bit deeper than that. They they are us, you know. It's a beautiful book to read about Supreme Understanding called When the World Was Black. And essentially, the brother does the building and the breakdown to show how originally the original people of the planet Earth and the word original literally means the origin of all. That's what the word literally means. So the original people of the planet Earth was black people, African people. And these people basically became all the other groups of people on the planet. The original people mutated into the European and the Asian, those two groups. But now you have three, only three quote-unquote races, three groups with, with, with separate phenotypes on the planet. The mixture of those three groups is what produced all the other groups. The mix in some way, form, or fashion will produce Africans mixed with Asians is what produced the first original Arab Semitic people. The Europeans coming down mixing with that is what produced that Saddam Hussein looking Semitic people. Asians then going traveling into over the Barren Straits and populating the Americas and then mutating to deal with this land is what produced the Native Americans. Then Africans and Europeans in the form of Spaniards and African slaves going into the Americas and then mating with those people is what produced the Dominican, the, the Puerto Rican, so forth, so on, so forth, and so on. So in his book, he breaks this down uh, beautifully. I'm talking about he leaves nothing to be questioned. He don't just say it because it sounds cool. He builds on it to the level of if you read the book, you'll get all of the understanding of what happened, how it happened. He even breaks down the DNA and, and the biology of the whole thing. So you can't all get disputed. It's, it's absolute fact. So basically when a black man who's a revolutionary who's trying to uplift the community dates a woman other than the white woman, I'm gonna get, I'm, I may not be able to have enough time to get to that, he is dating a woman who is originally black or is mixed to become black. A Mexican does not actually exist. A Mexican is a mixture of the Native American, the uh, the Spaniard, and the African. There could be no Mexican if that mixture didn't take place. Puerto Rican does not exist. The Puerto Rican 
for the most part, and that's why if you notice if you look at most Puerto Ricans or most Dominicans, they look like light-skinned black women because they are for the most part a mixture of that African slave and that and that the native that was in that particular land. And then the lighter ones are the, have the Spanish have that Spanish blood in them. But that's it. That's 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 the basis of it. So you're dating and dealing with black women, just different cultures. And war is right. You do add another headache because the average black woman, I don't give a damn if she's blacker than blacker than black. The average black woman born in America, born under these conditions, you're going to have a headache trying to teach her and show her that she's African. You darn sure going to have a headache trying to show a woman born in the Dominican Republic or Puerto Rico that she's African. You're going to have a headache out of this world. So then it becomes a question of do you want to put yourself through that? Or born in the Philippines, you're going to have a headache because all of these are black people. They just don't know it. You know what I'm saying? You're going to have a headache out of this world for that. Now the only true issue is the dating of the white woman, and I and I and I recognize that we as human beings all share a commonality, even with white people, even with white people, and and that's a whole other uh, discussion for another day to tell you who I think white people are as a reflection of us. But the problem with white women, with dating a white woman, the problem with that is that the white woman then represents that culture that has been the most uh, uh, what's the word I want to use? Oppressive, offensive, most conflicting one with us. And so I don't believe, even though I, I believe that that love can can exist between any people, any human being, that if you are serious about the struggle and <laughs> and uplifting of black people, that there is no way that you can couple yourself with a white woman and still be able to stand like Fred Hampton. For your people, there's no way you can do it because what you have done is you have united yourself to some degree with your with your oppressive culture. You have done this, and 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 brother brother Ward is married to a Filipino woman. So imagine if you were married to a white woman and you were trying to do this struggle. Not only would she be in conflict with that struggle and what you're trying to teach your children, but your people would be in conflict with that because they'll look at you and be like. Nigga talking all this black stuff, and this woman is whiter than white. He, she look like Lucille Ball, you know. And, and that's just my theory and thoughts on it. There's some deeper stuff we can go into to that, but we don't have enough time. Well, I, I, you do have to let me. In, in San Diego, hold on, y'all. You do have to let me come in and, and, and jump on out. I want to give y'all a scenario. Come on, man. You got 20 seconds. Okay. In this scenario here, I know brothers who have, who are dating are in relationships with white women because they have disowned their quote-unquote heritage. And so they find that attractiveness of him even shooting to be pro-black. So I hadn't seen that dynamic in Texas, but I have seen it out here on the West Coast towards he rejected everything that makes her. And she even brings her children, making sure that they look at everything African. I've seen it. I see it out here. So I do want to say that those okay. kind of relationships can exist. Now, go ahead. All right. Well, for the Panther 48, this is your resident half-breed, Brother E, signing off. Do you feel that you're happier right now than when you were broke or not really? Sometimes. It's a sometimes thing. Like, you know, it makes me happy. It makes me happy that I'm able to afford what I want, and it makes me happy that... um 
I get to treat my family. But I feel like the way that I have money kind of took away a lot of my happiness. See, what has happened is that we have been turned sisters into kind of like Frankenstein. I think everybody remembers the Frankenstein monster. He had somebody's arms, somebody's legs. He even had somebody else's brain inside of his skull. Oh, he was functional, but he was not himself. And so, yes, we are functional. We have been taught that having a good job means that we are a total success. We have been taught that the solution to all the problems of the black people in America is to get a job with the white people. That's just not the truth. Took away a lot of my happiness. Took away, took away. And it's not saying that we as black women are not strong. We don't have to put our man down in order to be strong. I'm just saying that we have used our strength in the wrong direction. We've been using it against our man instead of for him. If we use the kind of strength and influence that we have in the society to support the black man, won't anybody be able to come against him? Took away a lot of my happiness. Can you get away? Can you get away? Took away. Took away. But every man is judged by his woman, and if his woman say he ain't nothing, then the whole world believes he ain't nothing. The actual fact is, every man himself judge him, his own self by his woman. He can be out in the world being great, and the whole world can be kneeling to him, and if he come home and she say, you ain't nothing, you ain't been nothing, then that's who he believes. And yes, we have insulted our man in front of our children. It wasn't intentional. We just been frustrated. We couldn't make you brothers do what we want you to do. We didn't have anybody else to tell sometimes, so we would say it over the children. He ain't no good. He makes me sick. He's stupid. If he loved you, he would be here with you. When every man in here knows that his relationship with his children is predicated on his relationship with their mother, and if they are not getting along with us, they are not going to spend any time with the children. That's just how that is. Do you feel that you're happier right now than when you were Took away a lot of my happiness. Can you get away? Can you get away? Took away. Took away. Do you feel that you're happier? They, they have us standing around sometime and pointing at the brothers and saying, yeah, that's them over there. They ain't no good. They doing this and that and the other and it's all negative. And they have us thinking that the black man is going to die and we going to live on. <laughs> but that's not how it's going to go. There is still one monolith in the black community, and that's that it still takes a man and a woman to make a baby. So if the black man dies, we all die. We are not on the path of life. We're on the path of destruction. Learning how to get along has to be taught by force. Slavery was taught by force. We didn't volunteer for that. They made us do that. They forced us to do that. And that's how we're going to have to learn how to reunify. It's going to have to be done by force. We're going to have to make ourselves try to deal with each other. Yeah, and, and that's very difficult, and it certainly takes a great deal of self-control and love for your nation at large. It's the greatest form of unselfishness. It's the greatest form of unselfishness. We're going to have to make ourselves try to deal with each other. The greatest form, greatest form of unselfishness. We don't have to be ashamed that we have a problem. We don't have to be ashamed to know that it is related to slavery because all of our problems are related to slavery. Black man is just not bad by nature. The brothers love their children as much as any other man. Every man loves his baby. They keep wanting to tell us that our man don't even love his children. 
he's not a mother, though. He's a father. He's not going to have the same kind of connection to the cub that we had. We can't expect that. We keep wanting the man to act like a woman. He can't act like no woman. Praise be to Allah. I see you reminiscing and I hope you're listening. 